0: and Watts of God's Word, the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Riches of Grace is sponsored by Grace Impact Ministries.
1: We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of God.
2: Thank you, Alex. And my friend, we want to welcome you to our study today. We're going to look again at Genesis chapter number 2. We're going to go back to where we've been studying about the issue of the Sabbath. And I hope today that we can conclude that study by uh, talking about the second Sabbath after the first. Uh, In Genesis chapter number 2, when God finished the creation of the heaven and the earth, the Bible says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them ever, all the things that he'd put in it to populate the heaven and the earth. And the seventh day God had ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had created all that his, uh, 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 he had rested from all his work, which God created and made that very first Sabbath day. And God blessed the Sabbath day, and he sanctified it. Now, sometimes we read over those words, you know, just sort of with a little pie-eyed look about it, and we don't really think about what that means. But we've already studied this passage, and we've seen that God, when he blessed the Sabbath day, to bless something, that word means to speak well of it. God said something. He spoke well of the Sabbath day. Because of uh, of what he was doing on the Sabbath day, everything is ready in us. In other words, he looked at it and he looked at creation, and he said, "Everything is ready. What I what I had planned for is ready to be accomplished." Uh, I, he, and he and he spoke well of it, and he talked about what God had planned, uh, his creation those six days. What he had planned for, all right, it's ready. Then he sanctified it. When, when you sanctify something in the Bible, the word sanctify means to set something apart for the purpose for which it was created. He spoke well of the day. He talked about what it was for, and then he sanctified it. He set that seventh day apart for a very special purpose. He designates when the purpose is going to take place. When he blessed the Sabbath day, he said, everything is ready uh, what's got, what he had planned to accomplish was ready to be accomplished. Now, the only question then is when. And so he sanctifies. He sets apart the seventh day for the purpose for which it was created. In other words, up six days he's been working and forming and doing the process of creation and educating uh, the, uh, those who looked on, the angel, Alec host and then man in his purpose, declaring his intention. Fixing it so that any time you look back at creation, you'll see the design of the designers. You know, oftentimes people talk about the uh, the design. If if you had a watch, and uh, you 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 look at the watch, and and you know there has to be a watchmaker to put something that intricately designed together it requires the uh, you know just just intellectually and and factually it requires. A designer you 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 can throw the pieces up in the air and let them come down in in random, and the statistical probabilities are that they will never assemble themselves no matter how many times you throw them up in the air into a watch. Well, the design of creation demonstrates a designer, and some folks you know recognize that and like to point out that so that uh Uh, You know, there there has to be a first cause which requires the existence of God. People that, you know, say they don't believe in God or say they just believe everything came about by chance are intellectually dishonest. But the question often is not followed through with, you know, if you saw a watch, you would then know, well, what what did he create the watch to do? What was it for? Why Why did he, why did what was the designer's intention with the watch? Well, it was to tell time and keep accurate time. Well, what was God's, as the designer of creation, when you look at creation, what was his intention? What was his design? Not just the design is there, but what was the intention? Well, the intention, obviously, was to build a habitation, to build a place for him to live. It was accomplished. And the seventh day, he says, okay, it's all ready. It's ready for me to live in. And this is the day, the seventh day, that I'm going to do that. So when he blessed the Sabbath day, the seventh day, he 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 taught that 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 refers to what the day was for. It was a day in which he was going to rest, in which he was going to come and and rest in his habitation. And we looked at the passages and in, in Psalms and in Isaiah and Jeremiah and so forth, where where his rest refers to his coming and living in his holy habitation. And When he sanctified it, that's a reference to when he intended to do it. In other words, this first Sabbath was to be followed with a second Sabbath after the first, and on that next Sabbath day, what he intended to do, that is to dwell in the earth and in the creation that he'd made, would be accomplished when that next Sabbath day Came. And in God's original intent, that second Sabbath after the first would have been when the presence of his habitation would have appeared and been brought down to the earth. Now you say, well, why hasn't that happened? Well, you know why it hasn't happened because Genesis 2 is followed by Genesis chapter 3. By the way, the remainder of Genesis 2 focuses on man and that special habitation place. In Eden, that God intended for his tabernacle, his house, his temple, his palace to dwell. But then in Genesis chapter 3, we find man confronted by and joining in with an adversary, Satan. One who had declared himself, his intention to be, to be like the Most High God. The expression in the Bible, the Most High God, refers to God as the possessor of heaven and earth. Well, he had just done that. He had just created the heaven and the earth. But Satan's desire was to take away the authority in the heaven and in the earth. He wanted to be a usurper. He wanted to be the one who really had the power. So he had a plan of rebellion to seek to take from the control and authority of God the heavens and the earth. Man joined that rebellion in Genesis chapter three, and with the the fall of man into sin, into autonomy, into into living a a, a life of did did you ever notice the middle letter of the word sin S I N? Rather than living in total dependence upon God's purpose and plan and provision, man was going to do it himself, and he fell into sin. The Bible says that Satan. Uh, his original sin was pride, lifted up with pride. Did you ever notice the middle letter of the word pride is the same as the middle letter of the word sin? The Bible says, the greatest definition in the Bible of sin is, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone into our own way. And at the bottom of it, sin is, is that desire to do it yourself, to do it your way. To have your way and not to be who you really are and that is a creature but rather to try to deify yourself and make yourself God and worship and serve the creature you more than the Creator God well with the interruption with the entrance of sin the fulfillment of that original intended purpose of the Sabbath was postponed And from Genesis chapter 2 all the way to the book of the Revelation chapter number 21, that original purpose is in abeyance. But in Revelation chapter 21, after the plan of redemption and reconciliation through the Lord Jesus Christ has been completely accomplished, in Revelation 21 we read, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For so the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. All of the, the, the things have been, again, re, uh, uh, recreated, uh, renovated. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, the city where God dwells, the city of God, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, that which should have taken place on that second Sabbath after the first ultimately takes place. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and listen, he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Finally, the original intention Of God in creating the heaven and earth is accomplished. That's why it goes on and says in verse number uh, 5, Revelation 21, 5, He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of the water of life freely God brings to a finish he brings to a completion his original intent he says I'm alpha I'm the one in Genesis 2 and Omega I'm the one in Revelation 21 I'm the beginning and the end the idea there is that what I plan to do in the beginning is what I'm going to accomplish in the end And it makes no difference what anyone else says, what anyone else thinks, what anybody else uh, wants. What God's original intent and plan is, uh, is going to be accomplished. Now, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18, Thus saith the Lord uh, that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth. He took the earth and formed it and made it, fashioned it with his hands, the book says. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am Jehovah, and there is none else. God created the heaven and earth to be inhabited. But friend, he didn't inhabit, he didn't create it to be inhabited by by birds and trees and dogs and, and horses and whales and, and porpoises and catfish. He didn't simply create it to be inhabited by animal creation or plant creation. He intended it to be inhabited by you and by me, by mankind. And not simply to be inhabited by mankind, but to be inhabited by himself. And for him to, uh, to dwell with man, with us, with his creation that he had created, For God himself to dwell with men. That's why he says the tabernacle of God is with men. Emmanuel, God with us. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. God's ultimate intention, originally and accomplished in the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, was to be Emmanuel, God with us. Now, that Sabbath day... That first Sabbath, the second Sabbath after the first didn't come because it was interrupted by sin. But when God formed the nation Israel, his kingdom nation, his agency in the earth to restore his authority in the earth, God gave to Israel the Sabbath as a sign. In Exodus 31, it's, it's very clear. That God gave to the nation Israel the Sabbath as a sign. He says it. It's a sign between Me and the children of Israel forever. It's a sign between Me and you. He says to Israel throughout your generations. And He gave two different Sabbaths. One He gave the weekly Sabbath, every Saturday, every seventh day. Uh, they were to remember this. They were to remember the purpose that God had in that original Sabbath day. And they would to remind themselves of that. They were to commemorate it. They were to rehearse it. And they would to remember the purpose that they had in accomplishing that. And then he gave them some special Sabbath days. We looked at these last week. Um, some uh, feast days, some holy days, some special ceremonial Sabbath days uh, in, in, in their redemption calendar. In, in their In the Feast of the Lord, and these were to remind them that it was the Lord, it was Jehovah that sanctified them. This was to remind them that only Jehovah himself could make them, could equip them, could qualify them to be the people who would accomplish his purpose. And I pointed out to you last time when we were looking at those Sabbaths in Leviticus 26, those special Sabbath days, the holy days, uh, that that, uh, one particular one of them was very unique. And that's the one in in, in relationship to the Feast of Tabernacles. You'll recall that uh, the the calendar of redemption for Israel in Leviticus 23 is in two sections. The first four feasts, first four, uh, are in one, one, one section, the first month. Um, the 14th day of the month is Passover. The 15th is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then the more after the Sabbath is the Day of, uh, of uh, first fruits. And then 50 days after that is Pentecost. And those feasts clustered together that way, united together, demonstrate and look toward the first coming of Christ, His coming, His meek and lowly coming, His coming to suffer. And then in the seventh month, four months later, Uh, Nothing being done in between there. But now clustered four months later in the seventh month, which again is the Sabbath month, the seventh, on the first day of the month is the blowing of trumpets, the feast of trumpets, the the regathering of Israel, the the delivering of Israel from the hand of her enemy, the avenging of God's uh, cause uh, against the enemy, and the uh, regathering together and the deliverance of the nation Israel. Then on the tenth day is the Day of Atonement. The second advent of Christ comes back and inaugurates the new covenant with Israel, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a picture of the kingdom. Now, in the Feast of Tabernacles, again, begins on the fifteenth day of the month, and that first day is a a Sabbath. And then seven days, there's that Feast of Tabernacles. And then on the eighth day is a second Sabbath, of the Feast, the only Feast that has two Sabbaths in it, like that. That second Sabbath after the first is associated with the Feast of Tabernacles, just like, now listen, just like in Genesis chapter 2, the second Sabbath after the first was when God intended to bring His house for New Jerusalem to descend out of heaven from God and God's dwelling to take place on the earth. Just like the, the second Sabbath after the first. Just like the new new heaven and new earth and the new Jerusalem ascending in Revelation 21 is the beginning, 8 in the Bible is a, is a new beginning, is the beginning of a new day for heaven and earth, 7,000 years having been done, the, the millennial Sabbath having been accomplished. So it is that the second Sabbath after the first was the new beginning. Luke chapter number 6, and the reason I go by that is to to get to this passage in Luke chapter 6. It came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first. Now see, that's a Bible expression. Luke 6, 1. It came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the corn fields and his disciples plucked ears and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. Those are the glean. They weren't stealing this corn. Those were the gleanings. Uh, when, when the harvest came in, if you go back and look in Leviticus 23, you'll see that when, when, when they had collected their harvest, that they were to leave the scraps uh, in the field. It's called the gleanings. And that was for the poor and for the stranger and for the needy. So when you read Luke chapter 6, you see immediately that the season of the year is the season of the tabernacle of the Feast of Tabernacles. The second Sabbath after the first is the, that eighth day Sabbath after the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's where we are here. In Luke 6, it is at the time when Israel is celebrating her Feast of Tabernacles. It's the second Sabbath after the first. Now, certain of the Pharisees said unto unto them, Why do you that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have you not read so much as this, that that what David did when he was in hunger, and they they which were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat? And what he does is is they the the Pharisees try to accuse the Lord of breaking. The, the Scripture, and he says, no, I, all I did was break your traditions. I didn't break the Word of God. The Word of God is the issue, not the traditions of men. And then he says in verse 6, he said unto them, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the second Sabbath after the first, too. You see, what the feast of tabernacles demonstrated to Israel was that it was only going to be Jehovah. Jehovah Shammai, the one who puts into, who is going to accomplish Israel's kingdom for them. And the Lord Jesus Christ is saying in essence, I'm the one who's going to put into effect their program. I'm the one who's, I'm the Lord of the second Sabbath after the first. And if you want anything, if you want to be a part of God's program and you want to be a part of what God's doing and you want to be a part of the purpose that God has for your nation, you come and trust me. Now, that wonderful truth for the nation Israel, Jesus Christ came and identified him. Those special Sabbath days in Israel, they demonstrated that it was only Jehovah who could sanctify them, who could make them, set them apart for the purpose for which they were created, who could qualify them and make them fit to be utilized by him and his plan and purpose. And the Lord Jesus Christ literally is saying to them, I am the one. I'm Jehovah. I'm the one who's going to put the purpose that God has for you into effect. It's going to be through me. And the Lord Jesus Christ identifies himself to Israel as jehovah their supplier their provider now those sabbath days all demonstrate that in a typical way for the nation israel if you go to colossians chapter number two verse number 16 and 17 you'll see as we have in the past that all of these things do not relate to you and me colossians 2 verse 16 let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink on respect of new moons uh, holy days or the sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come but the body is of christ those things had to do with israel in their past they're a shadow of things to come in israel's future or kingdom but they don't relate to you and me today as members of the body of christ the uh the reason they don't relate to us is that the body is of christ we're not the earthly people we're god's heavenly people We're not the agency that God's purpose is to reclaim the earth. We're the agency that he's going to use in the heavenly places. And that's why Paul says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. God hasn't changed the Sabbath. The Sabbath is still the seventh day. God hasn't changed his purpose in the Sabbath. His purpose is still to use the nation Israel as his instrument to, to restore his authority in planet Earth. What God has done is he's changed his program. And he's changed the resting place when he did from a day to a person. And that's why Paul says you are complete in Christ. We, we, we uh, find that Christ is our life verse 4 says, of chapter 3. You see, the issue today is being in Christ and having Christ in us. And that means that every day, every day is a special day. Not just one set apart, but every day. And we're a part of what God's doing today. What God does for Israel, what he does for us, will all be done through the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to appreciate who he is. We preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, but we preach Christ. Let me offer you a free Bible study tape. Time's almost gone. uh, Who changed the Sabbath? That's the title. Get it straight here. Who changed the Sabbath? That's an important issue. Hope you've enjoyed our studies together, but I want you to see it's serious, but it's simple to answer who changed the Sabbath. Let me give you this free Bible study tape. That'll help you understand this critical issue and especially help you to understand why resting in Christ in him alone is sufficient for all things listen carefully now as Alex comes to tell you how you can receive your free copy and before he does let me say again thanks for listening and until next time Maranatha thank
1: you brother Jordan My friend, we'll be happy to see that you receive your free copy of this important Bible study tape if you simply call us at our toll-free number, 1-888-535-2300. That's 1-888-535-2300. Or you can write us at The Riches of Grace, Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. We also want you to know that Grace School of the Bible has a uniquely designed three-year Bible Institute program available to our listeners on an extension basis through the use of videotapes. We call the program Bible Edification by Extension through the use of video. Our school is unique in two important ways. First, we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer. Rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies followed by other Bible institutes and Bible colleges, we have followed the clearly outlined pattern for edification found in Paul's epistles. This allows our students to grow to maturity and thus be prepared for whatever ministry they feel the Lord has for them quickly and successfully. A second uniqueness of Grace School of the Bible is that it is offered on an extension basis through the use of video. Bible edification by extension brings quality instruction into the comfort and convenience of your home and personal scheduling demands. If you are or have ever desired to be a serious student of the Bible, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 1-888-535-2300. You can also visit us at our worldwide website at www.graceimpact.org. We're glad you've joined us today and trust you've been challenged and blessed by today's study. Please tell your friends about the broadcast, will you, and get them listening in with you. And remember, that free Bible study tape awaits you if you simply call us at 1-888-535-2300. And friend, if you still are not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven, and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know, and we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that will make the way plain. That address, again, is The Riches of Grace, Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. Thanks for listening, and God's best to you in every way until we meet again this same time and place next week. I'd
2: rather have Jesus than
0: Burn Fat Orlando is open to help you during this crazy time. The CDC says those at greatest risk in today's world are those that are overweight, have high blood pressure, and or diabetes. Burn Fat Orlando helps you regain your health, losing up to 30 to 40 pounds in 40 days. Burn Fat Orlando is now offering phone appointments so you can do the program from the safety of your own home. Call Burn Fat Orlando now to find out why we're the only program that guarantees weight loss or your money back. For the most savings, call 855 889 8446 That's 855 889 8446 Nine eight four four six, or at earnfatterlando.com.
2: I'm Michael Easton with Fellowship Financial Group. It's already spring in Central Florida, so don't let too much of the year go by without making sure you have a financial plan to get you through retirement. Chat with us live right now at fellowshipfinancial.com. That's fellowshipfinancial.com.
0: Take the word with you wherever you go with our mobile app, thewordorlando.com. Alexa, tune in, iHeart, and radio.com. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Florida's most powerful voice in Christian talk radio. 50,000 watts. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The, the Word. WTLN Orlando. W268CT Orlando. Where faith comes by hearing. Make it clear ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast.
2: Are you looking for?